Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Today's show guest is Mike Michelini, who runs the website Global From Asia, which helps global e-commerce companies with setting up cross-border businesses in China. Mike has a great backstory. He used to work on Wall Street for a while, and during that time, he was side hustling. And that was even before that term actually existed. He was involved very early on in e-commerce and sourcing goods from China and selling them online on sites such as eBay. And his business got to a point where it made sense for him to actually physically move to China and set up shop. So Mike's been in Shenzhen now for over 10 years, and he is certainly my go-to guy when it comes to anything that has to do with cross-border businesses in China. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Thank you for joining us today on the Jay Kim Show. Uh, we are happy to have you on. It's my pleasure, Jay. Thanks for thanks for inviting me today. No problem at all. And you know, you are a fellow podcaster, so I'm extra excited to have you on. And sure. uh, you know, there's not very many of us out here in Asia, so it's always nice to have some strength in numbers, if you will. So for our audience listening in, um, many of them might actually have heard of you because you are one of the few podcasters that has been around and been doing it for a while. But for those uh, listening in that don't know who you are, maybe you can give us a little. Quick introduction, who is uh, Mike Michelini and what do you do for a living? Sure, sure. Yeah, so my name is Mike Michelini. Uh, American internet dude is kind of what I've fit in some of my social media profiles. But yeah, I've been podcasting a few years now at Global From Asia and I'm another, even another podcast, China Business Cast. So I love creating content. So I blog a lot as well in text form. I do video blogs and all kinds of creation of content to help people in in China and Asia business. So I've been out here almost 10 years. I, I'm sure we'll get into some more details later, but I've done a host of different businesses. I mostly talk about e-commerce and online-based businesses and online marketing. And just uh, currently, I I basically do CPA business. I'm a partner of a firm in Hong Kong for Hong Kong and mainly China incorporation and audits. And I also have some you know, books and online courses as well as a yearly conference cross-border summit, which is just past the second one and we're planning the third one next April. So that's a really brief intro of myself, but as you as yeah. well, there are so many things we do as you know, online business owners and, and uh, yeah, I, love, I love it. I think it's uh, it's really cool because, um, so first of all, <laughs> it's funny because I literally Googled podcasts in Asia and like there's three and two of them were yours. So I was <laughs> like, okay, this guy, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's dominating the scene. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, your site is awesome, Global From Asia, and we're, we'll obviously get into all of that. But, um, you know, I love, I love how much sort of free value that you just kind of give out there. And it's, it's, there's certainly a huge demand for it because people always want to know what's going on in Asia, you know, who's on the ground there. Tell me, uh, you know, not only 
news, like what's going on, but also if I want to set up a business or I want to do any sort of business in Asia, in China specifically, uh, you know, we've heard horror stories about people coming in and trying to do something and getting screwed by business partners or or just, just having a nightmare of a time trying to get through uh, the red tape. And so I, I found that your your website is one of the best and most comprehensive and and also, you just you just like I said, give a lot of free stuff. So, so thank you for putting that stuff out there. So, why don't we why don't we just walk through sort of you know you're also an entrepreneur, and um, you know part part of this show is about entrepreneurship, and and I think uh, you, your backstory is pretty cool because uh, like me, we were both sort of uh, finance dudes and and fully in the thick of working for a large corporation, and you actually went out on your own and and uh, and made a you know made a living out of sort of entrepreneurship and 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 building businesses. So I'd love to hear your story. Maybe you could share with the audience a little bit of your story. What was the catalyst to to that made you leave uh, Wall Street and start off on your own? Sure, sure. Yeah. So basically, I I, I thought I always wanted to be on Wall Street. I kind of remember the movies with uh, you know this cool stock trading floors and the action. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. I well, there's there's uh, some classics out there, and I I was attracted to the energy. the The funny thing is, I have an engineering degree because I went to a Catholic high school, and my parents, my dad was an engineer, and so they all thought I had, you know, I was pretty good at math and science. So they they didn't want me to get a business degree. They they were really forcing me to get a technical degree, engineering degree. So I actually went through engineering school. But as soon as I got out, I got into Wall Street. The funny story is they wanted to work me to work in a technology department in Wall Street. But during the uh, interview, I told them I don't like to do technology. I want to do trading. And uh, the hiring hiring manager in the interview was like, you know that I hire for technology and I can only hire for technology. So anyway, I somehow they, they liked that I was honest. So I ended up coming back for another interview. At Deutsche Bank, and I I picked Deutsche over Goldman, which is a lot of people are surprised about, but I feel like I trusted them more. They had kind of a little bit better reputation, I think. But we could have some another story, or we could dig into that if you're interested. But basically, <laughs> I picked it also. Yeah, I thought I would uh, I would uh, make as much money as I could because I thought I was gonna. I thought I had to get a normal job. You know, I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, I thought I had to get the normal job. I always wanted to start my own yeah. business, but I thought I had to do it later. Uh, I thought I had to get right. the college degree. I thought I had to get the resume. I thought I had to get the MBA. And then I could start a business. But uh, it was the first day in orientation at Deutsche Bank, and I sat next to the guy. I was uh, still really good friends with him. And he had turned a senior design project into a mobile app. Uh, it was oh, a nice. mobile checkbook. He took his... Uh, so he he was a tech, tech guy. I was actually still in operations. I wasn't on trading, but I was in operations. So I was in a tech and operations department. And uh, what happened was he saw my entrepreneurial spirit, and I wanted to help him out. And I started to to dig into web server analytics, and I started to dig into like email lists. And this is two thousand and three, uh, and uh, I was like so so uh, amazed, like the power of the internet. And I was helping him like boost his ranking in these. Uh, the apps this is before iPhone and uh, Android. This was a uh, Java J2ME uh, on like uh, on the non Verizon. It was different. It's so complicated. <laughs> but it was these different marketplaces? But I, I was just I loved kind of like 
like you said, you found me on Google. I loved being able to help have people find the app and download it. And I was just kind of figuring out how to get more reviews uh, or more downloads by right. giving away the app for free. So I would go back to the current list and give them a... So I figured out, he's, he just saw in me, like I, I was like, I was so in love with like marketing online with tech. So I found, I kind of went back into tech while I was working part-time at Deutsche Bank. And then I got into my own e-commerce in 2004 and, you know, uh, learned a lot by making tons of mistakes. Had no clue at all. Like nobody- This is while you were still working at Deutsche? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I had to go through compliance. I never, you know, I didn't want to sneak it. So (laughs) I told the guy I had my own startup uh, through their compliance department online portal thing. And, but yeah, nobody knew anything. My family, my coworkers, my college friends, nobody, I was just making mistakes like crazy. And then I finally took me almost five years, but I finally, uh, it's so hard to leave because the money's so good. Right. And you're like, Oh, I yeah. Guess, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the hardest thing. Right. The money's really good. Uh, but, uh, that's I pretty took interesting though. Cause you, you were, so just real quick, two points. Number one, you were, how you were saying that, you always expected that you would have to go the traditional route and, and do your job first, make maybe make some money, and then you could see yourself as an entrepreneur later or build a business. And you know, just a quick comment on that. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with doing that, and I think that's the traditional way that a lot of people ended up becoming entrepreneurs or, or branching out on their own. You know, and you do l- learn a lot of skills in a large corporations. So you know, I mean, I I, I was right there with you. I was at Lehman, uh, you know, during that time, and and there is a lot to be learned there. And then uh, a second point is, it's interesting because you were actually like side hustling before that term actually even existed, yeah, right? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I was uh, on MySpace hustling with uh, other, <laughs> other, uh, other entrepreneurs. It's crazy. I still am friends with some people I met on MySpace. I know I sound like a weird stalker dude or something, but I remember, no, no, that was I remember Friendster yeah. and MySpace oh, yeah. yes. and uh, yeah, like all this stuff. Yeah. Craziness. So, at what point did you decide that? Okay, you know what? I know the money's so good, and it's like golden handcuffs. You can't leave. But at some point, you were like, you know what? Money's money. I need to make a move. This is what I want to do yeah. with my life. So, I I did the same with Deutsche over Goldman. I kind of just draw out a matrix when I'm at this point where I'm trying to make a decision, a bigger decision, and I write the plus and minuses of all mm-hmm. of them, and then I try to kind of take. A uh, you know, try to take an average of the amount of pluses and minuses. And it's obviously not a math formula, but some kind of a way to look at it visually. So I did the same. There was one negative, but I had three positives. The money for the e-commerce business, we were doing mostly eBay, a little bit of Amazon before it was insane like it is now, but it was mostly eBay and our own website. And I had a partner, my roommate. So my partner was a little bit more conservative. He's one of my, actually my best, some of my best friends uh, growing up in hometown. He moved out to New York as well. And we were doing it together. And I was just always wanting to just double down, reinvest everything into it. The money was making maybe a couple thousand a month for each of us. And uh, pretty good. Yeah, but it can't live in Manhattan. We were I was living in Lower East Side. You know, my rent was a couple thousand just alone. But so the lease was coming up in New York or anywhere, but especially in New York, at least in that time, this is two thousand and six they were sliding slips under your door like you know you have one month left on your lease please resign or we'll start to like it's like so scary so that was one one thing was like the lease was coming up so i had a roommate and partner and he's like are we signing again are you staying so that was one and you look at the idea it's like i can get out of this i don't get you know i can get my 
the opposite and all this crap back. So that, that was one. And the second was my bonus hit because it was the end of 06. Mm. And the third was my buddy in my hometown is Connecticut. My buddy in he had moved out to California in Ocean Beach, San Diego. And he's like, I have an extra room two blocks from the beach. It's like 400 a month. Don't worry about a contract. And uh, there's so many cool people here. You know, just get out here. So I was like, so those are like three pluses. And then the negative was I was at four and a half years on my five-year vest. Or, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So for the audience listening in that is unfamiliar with that, uh, Mike had some company stock that was awarded to him as part of his bonus that was on a schedule. So as you you have to stay a certain amount of years before you actually get that. It's all tied into your compensation. It's a way of the firm to retain you and not and not make exactly. you do so. He was so, six months away from unlocking another large windfall. Yeah, it was a big <laughs> amount. I, it's hard to log into all. There's so many different logins, at least where I was. There was like, you had all these logins. So I would try not to even log in, but it was a decent number. I mean, it was contributing every month or so. And mm-hmm. But I thought to myself, yeah, that's six months. So that means I'll be back on my lease. I'll be halfway closer to my next bonus. You know what I mean? And then, uh, yeah. so then I'll I'll have to stay another, you know, I guess I could either sign the lease and I could uh, wait till that comes in, but then I'll probably be like, well, I, another six months, I can get the next bonus. Yeah. And then, yep. so I, and I know so many of my friends still, still are like st- waiting, like still are waiting. That. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all so did. I was like, I'm going to walk from that. And uh, that was a one negative a little bit. But now Deutsche Bank stock, it's a lot lower now than it was yeah, then. It but uh, <laughs> They made the right call. Now, what did your parents think about this whole thing? Were they I supportive? Remember, I remember they did move down to Florida. So I would go down to see them. It was around the holidays in 06. And uh, so I spent you know Christmas with them telling them about it. I was already kind of made my mind up and it already kind of kind of started to give up on me already a little bit on influencing my decisions because uh, I've <laughs> I kind of throughout my childhood you know would try to hear them I wasn't but I would usually do what I I was thinking and so they were pretty supportive I mean they were just still in shock because you know I was I was doing really 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 well I mean right it's it's hard you know every two weeks in your bank account you get a huge deposit yeah. so but they were happy for me and they could see that i like to do my own business and my dad listened to to talk show radio i remember uh i even called in to bruce williams i don't i never <laughs> heard of him but my dad was kind of supportive of me to to go get out there that's awesome okay so so you took your friend's offer up and you went moved out west and what was your first? Uh, I mean, at this point, you said you were doing some online stuff, eBay, and, and this and that. And what was the big catalyst that made you move to China? So we were selling on, you know, we were doing eBay and e commerce. So I was buying off Alibaba, and uh, we were, you know, moving up the supply chain slowly. I was drop shipping products, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to have to stock too many, but I started to stock because I couldn't find. I wanted to have the, ex, you know, I. It is, of course, dropshipping is great because you don't have much investment, but you're also not differentiating. So we started getting to our uh, wholesaling and then buying direct. And so we had already been buying from China even while we were, I was working in New York with my partner. And uh, what sort of products were you? Uh, uh, bar supplies, you... kitchen and bar, like cocktail shakers, bottle openers, pour spouts. Uh, just oh, cool. Fun stuff. Really random. The way I even started to figure out what to sell was I just uh, sold a lot of different stuff and then I just kind of 
keep narrowing it down and then, you know, made a specific eBay account for the bar products, made a website, newyorkbarstore.com and uh, just kept on, you know, kept, kept, you know, getting out there, figuring out, listening, tweaking, pivoting, or, you know, flossing and, and growing. <laughs> That's pretty cool that you were literally doing it by trial and error. I mean, now if nuts, you yeah. sort of, yeah, if you like, even if you just Google search, like, how do I sell products, flip products on eBay or Amazon from China, there's like formulas and like, ugh, there's like an entire world out there that teaches you exactly what, you know, what the products are that you should be selling. But you were like the pioneer, man. <laughs> yeah, they say there's a, pioneers come back with arrows in their back sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, I mean, I loved it. I remember I was talking to my old, I had a couple of professors that were like adjunct and that means they had worked in the real world. So they were, uh, mm-hmm. I, they were nice enough to stay in touch with me. Well, specifically, like, really one of them. But you know, he gave me some tips, like just a couple of keywords. I remember, like third-party fulfillment, because I was right. using my fraternity house as a as a shipping center, and I was like, I was already alumni, but I had younger, you know, I was still recent grad, so I was using. Uh, well, I wasn't using, but I was leveraging, you know, my younger uh, brothers uh, in my fraternity, and they were finally saying, "Man, this is getting to be too much." It's like almost like pallets coming in and. And uh, so I, I was talking to one of my adjunct professors that he's like, you ever heard of third party fulfillment? I'm like writing down on a notebook on my phone, you know, holding the phone under my shoulder, like third party fulfillment. <laughs> like, so the volume and this and this sort of thing, as you as you moved up to supply chain, um, it, it was it was such that your business was going was moving to another level. Uh, yeah. It sounds like yeah, it, yeah. or either that or you just saw an opportunity that. That if you were on the ground in China, that you could yeah, just yeah. So so China, I was already dealing with it, and I was frustrated. It's hard to make, you know. We could there's so much there's so many details, but uh, basically, actually, there was a little bit of a conflict of interest with my quitting the job because I wanted to convert from side hustle, which wasn't a word then, to full time. But my actually, there was my original partner, which is still in a major shareholder, but we cut in some fraternity brothers and friends. So it's one of those stories of like friendship and business partners and which is okay, but also it wasn't, cl- we didn't have clear goals. Right, right. So they liked the side hustle. They liked a couple thousand in the bank while they were working and I wanted to do it full time. So what happened was a lot of those MySpace guys I met in the bar products industry for link trading and networking also were saying, oh, Mike, if you're buying from China, we're buying from China too. Can you help us? And we were chatting about it. So I started to make a trading business on top of my e-commerce. So mm. what I did was I which is maybe a bad thing, but instead of fighting my old business partner in my e-commerce business, I set a new company up as a B2B business, sourcing for that company as well as for other companies. Right. Yep. So I That's set, smart. Yeah. So I sold, became, I turned my own business into my client and, right. and uh, other guys in the industry I already knew into potential clients, which were very warm leads, you know, to to work with. So that kind of gave me a client base to start with for sourcing and I kept e-commerce as well. Cool. So and then so you moved to China in which year? 2007. So yeah, okay. I said 06. I you know it was Christmas 06 when I was kind of ready to leave Deutsche. Of course, I gave my month's notice and uh you know it's January. So it was like maybe, you know, about a half year in San Diego. Trade shows in the fall and and you know, in Asia, like hands-on fair, global sources shows, and I didn't think I was going to live here. Honestly, I 
I didn't know where I was going to live. It sounds really crazy. I blogged this. You know, this is when I started really enjoying blogging because I was I started a blog after I quit Wall Street to just let people find out what's going to happen. I was like, I'm not. I'm moving out of San Diego because I came to China for a month in '07 for trade shows, and I kind of just put everything I owned into storage, kind of, or well, more like right, right. closets. <laughs> <laughs> came out to China, not knowing if I would stay in China, go back to California, go to Florida, my family, go, try to go back to New York. So I decided to spend more time in China, which was uh, end of 07. That's awesome. So I want to fast forward now till to present day. Okay, so what is your has your business transformed into? Uh, you still At run global for, from Asia. What 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 has that business transformed into? Who are the types of clients that you can help with your business? Sure. Sure. So, you know, there's been actually a few other businesses in the middle. So the, the e-commerce business, I ended up selling in a couple of different parts to my my team, actually, my staff in China and the Philippines. And I started a mobile app. I went to China Accelerator, which mm-hmm. is one of the, it's definitely the first, and I'd still say one of the best uh, incubators in mainland China for uh, Western tech startups. And I did a mobile app for a couple of years and then merged with a Chinese company and then now I'm full time in global from Asia which is which is I'm really starting to kind of build it out after making all this free content but it's a few different few different things of course there's all the f- amazing free content which we're still creating regularly but the way we monetize is we have a membership program for people that want to get on the inside and we're targeting of course SMEs we're trying to help western SMEs in Asia and China so we have like monthly calls and a private forum. And we also have these job boards. We have a marketplace for service providers. And we have this expert platform for like private workshops and meetups. So we have uh, basically it's freemium with a paid for the super, super fans or the super supporters can become a, can become a, a member. And that's our, our main way. And then we also have our yearly conference, which is grown grown every year it's it's uh we just passed our second one with 200 bit over 200 people it was a two-day full conference with over 30 speakers and and uh, all about cross-border e-commerce cross-border business so it's really exciting we're trying to kind of bridge that gap uh here in in china that sounds pretty cool because um again it's it's when you come out here and i'm just talking firsthand experience when when you come out here and, and you don't really know what's going on and what the regulations are and how to set up business and how to do the even something like a bank account and you know you know mike we're we're working together on and you're helping me out yeah, on, yeah, on, on something so but you know i mean that sort of thing it's like you kind of want you need someone that you can trust and and yeah. that's kind of western and has gone through it before you know I, when right. i first came here i was referred to all these local firms and i was like they're not going to understand like I'm American and let me be careful here what I say, but you know, I'm American, but I'm living offshore and I want the, 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 the most favorable tax uh, structuring possible for any sort of business I do uh, over here, you know, with exemptions and this and that. And I didn't have a guide or anyone to, to hold my hand and, and show me the way. So, so I think that there's a lot of value for, for Global From Asia. Who would you say is your sort of avatar? I mean, look, I'm I'm probably not your your prime type of client, even though you, you have helped me in the past. Who would you say your your avatar of that site would be? Sure, it's it's definitely people that are not really in Asia. They're usually or they travel here, but maybe not fully based here. 
and they want someone like you said that they can trust that's that they understand uh that they understand the local markets but also understand the international markets while i love newbie entrepreneurs it's more for people that maybe like i was when i was in new york city and frustrated with trying to trying to figure out what what to do you know i was already doing my own business i already had revenue i was trying to kind of scale up and grow into asia so i usually target people that are operating business especially if you're going to set up in hong kong or in asia you should probably have you know at least at least a half a million in revenue a, a year is what we usually say better to have a million but you know yeah. ha- so they're already kind of doing business cuz of course you might be able to like we're talking about taxes and all this globalization and i wish it was easier for anybody but especially with the banking environment now and and other things you really have to already have some business history so we're targeting scaling i like to say scaling businesses that really want to go global from asia <laughs> that are western <laughs> western and uh, and just like like i had a couple calls with potential clients today and i sometimes advise them not that it's not right ready yet for them and you know it's uh it's hard for me to do that, and they, even though they really want to do it, you got to be ready for it. So, is it, it? It's are there businesses that are onshore in China that are looking to go overseas that you help out as yeah, well? So we have a Chinese. Uh, my wife is my one of my is my partner in my life and in my business, and <laughs> and uh, she's of course. Oh, you guys wouldn't know, but she's mainly Chinese, and so that's how I even met one. When I do my app startup, uh, she does business development here, so she she's always looking out for me. And I've been out here ten years, so I, I of course have a, a, my own network here, and it's a different type of model, and it's something we've been discussing. We do localize a lot of the content and the podcast into China and WeChat. Even still, the I'm still writing and target talking to a Westerner more than right. Chinese in my current model. I know there's. Always people that tempt me, but it's this, it is a different avatar. Sometimes people mm-hmm. say I'm racist or something because I'm not helping Chinese, but uh, they're doing pretty good on their own right now. I think, you know, selling online. I think I feel like there's a lot more help for the, for the Western business in a- Asia. But of course, we do mostly, and also they're not so online. The, the, the tools in China are just so different, like right. in the way that they consume content and, and everything. So they do come to our events. So the best time for us to help the Chinese seller or service provider is at our cross-border summit. Or we also have some smaller meetups and trips too. But uh, primarily, it's it's Westerners. That's awesome. Let me ask you, what are so your your plans for 2017? Looking forward, I mean, you you mentioned the the big. Conference, which you just had, I mean, it already passed for this year, right? But yep. it was very well received. So you're obviously going to yeah. do another bigger and better one next year. What do you have in store for 2017? Any goals for your business and, and personally as an entrepreneur? Sure. The craziest thing, a week before this past cross-border summit, we got an email from a, a, a logistics company that wanted to come in as a big sponsor for 2018. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, wait. It's still 2017. It's next week. They're like, no, no, we have a budget for next year. So I mean, basically, we each year is getting more and more serious. So you know, we already are talking to sponsors and speakers for next year. Of course, some people said, you know, I post on my social media. See you guys next year, and they're like, what are you going to go into hibernation mode? But uh, of course, it's not (laughs) like we're just going to wait until uh, next year's conference. But of course, that's our big 
big thing. And some people want to do it twice a year, but I, I don't really want to dilute the, the effect of it, I think. So, right. of course, before that, we've been building out these tools, like I, I mentioned earlier, like a job board. We're just kind of trying to be like a hub for these international e-commerce or cross-border e-commerce business owners, SMEs. Mm-hmm. So we're building a, a, ser- a service marketplace. So we have like QC companies and, and sourcing companies and other uh, service providers that can help you in China and Asia that are listed on our on our globalformasia.com's directory. And then we also have the jobs directory and we have the experts platform. So we're trying to actually have kind of a more community driven. So in, in Vietnam, we're planning some global from Asia meetups, China, you know, hopefully in Hong Kong. We're finding chapter organizers. There's other organizations that do something like that. So we're trying to kind of build out this community and monetize, hopefully, by having our super fans uh, become yearly members to support the movement and uh, and then come to our yearly conference. So it's a lot of work. And, you know, there's also some courses in the works and, and books and uh, all about China, Hong Kong business and growing your international conglomerate yeah no unfortunately we have to look to wrap up here but there, i think I, i've already in my mind i'm like okay i've already i already know we're gonna do another i'm gonna have you on the show again and we're gonna go into like a deep dive of let's say i want to start an e-commerce business um, sure, sure. And, and uh and go over that because i know that there's there's probably a lot of listeners that are are interested in that sort of thing but yeah there's tons Tons of opportunity. We'll have to leave it as a cliffhanger for our audience <laughs> uh, for a couple of months. But um, last question is, where can uh, people find you, follow you, and connect with you? Maybe learn a little bit more about uh, what you do. Sure. Uh, we you know, mentioned a couple times, uh, Global From Asia. It's a little bit long, but globalfromasia.com. Then there's mikesblog.com, which is where I put some of my personal videos I kind of separate the baby photos. So if you're into like baby videos <laughs> and baby photos, it's so I separate the the two. So business mostly on Global From Asia and mikesblog.com for the family and personal life kind of insights, as well as some kind of like more personal life in China. As a, that one's been around 10 years. So so those are the two main spots to find me. Awesome. Yeah, that's another topic that we unfortunately didn't have time to cram in that uh, I, we could have gone. That could be a number, a third episode is <laughs> what's it like living in Shenzhen, uh, sure. which is another thing that I'm sure everyone is is curious about. But well, Mike, thanks so much for your time. And uh, it was uh, such a pleasure having you on the show. And we definitely will have you on again. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Great. Thank you for having me, Jay. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The Jay Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week.
If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.